welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 7th of August 2021. And the title of this episode is What Does Avatar Legends and its $3 million Kickstarter powered by the Apocalypse game mean for the RPG industry? I know, I know, that's hardly a catchy title. But it's in my mind this week. And it'll be good to hear your thoughts on the topic. You can contact me via the blog. But first, in the RPG Publisher Spotlight this month, we have Trash Mob Minis. There's also the thorny issue of which musical instrument feels the most appropriate for a fantasy setting. That's the most recent write-up and newly relaunched Evergreen Paul on the site. For me, I immediately go to the mind of Moria when the party begins to hear the goblins drumming in the darkness. And from there, it's easy for me to think of all sorts of other drumming scenarios, from rituals to marching warbands. I'm in the minority so far. Here are the top three musical instruments from the original competition, Paul. In third place, and with 14.79% of the vote, the mandolin. In second place, and with 32.54% of the vote, the harp. And the winner, with 37.28% of the vote, the flute. Curiously, no one has voted for flute yet in the relaunch poll. Not yet. Not at the time of that this highlight show has been recorded. Perhaps you will vote for it. And you can find the links to this post and all the others from the single transcript link in the show notes. This week's highlights are very much around the changes coming to the tabletop industry, whatever they are. Let's kick off with the purchase of the world's longest-running RPG publishing company. That's not Wizards of the Coast, of course. They have D&D through TSR, and TSR has closed several times. So, the title falls to Flying Buffalo, who published Tunnels and Trolls, the world's second oldest traditional tabletop RPG. This week, WebSphere has confirmed they've bought the company. I admit, I hadn't heard about WebSphere before, and they don't have much of an internet footprint, but I did some digging, and they are at least $40 million big. They own some retail brands in the States, like Toy Vault, Gambit Press, and Troll and Toad. WebSphere also does behind-the-scenes work, such as supplying commerce and cataloging software to geeky hobby stores and providing logistic services. I suspect they make money from being a corporate landlord too. I start here, not just because we can speculate what a company with 14, 40 million in revenue will do with tunnels and trolls, but to know how WebSphere is interested in keeping the physical aspect of the hobby alive. They need books and shops. Oh sure, they could extend their commerce software further into e-commerce. Still, success will have to be large enough to compensate for any shrinkage caused by gamers visiting stores less often or fewer retailers and therefore fewer physical shipments. This very firmly brings us to the most successful RPG Kickstarter of all times, Avatar Legends from Magpie Games. Magpie has been clear that a big reason that they are running 
avatar legend through kickstarter is to act as a direct to customer pre-order feature there is a retailer pledge option but it does not include the core book for 120 dollars retailers can get four times all the pdfs the campaign creates and four times all the other physical stretch goals i'm not saying this is wrong i'm saying this is different and a change and now with plenty of time to run avatar legends is safely beyond that impressive three million mark on kickstarter if you don't know the animations the last airbender or the legend of Korra, i think it's worth a quick recap these are american-made anime stories set in different eras in a fantasy world the stories are diverse lgbt friendly and if you use the phrase social justice warrior as a pejorative then you might not enjoy them the rpg is a multi-year franchise deal and it doesn't use 5e it will use powered by the apocalypse last week i reviewed the stargate 5e rpg i think i said in audio exp that is a very different system from 5e at times it's almost like having two systems in one i was talking about that because some people complained that the game shouldn't have been 5e i don't think it matters but i can imagine the lure of 5e the D&D system helped Wyvern Gaming secure the license in the first place. D&D, you say? says some TV franchise executive. I'll have a slice of that pie for as little financial risk as possible, thank you. I can imagine conversations like that might happen. And I think a $3 million and climbing success mean that conversations like that will happen less often. Whether Avatar turns out to be actually a good game or not, the dollar success of this Powered by the Apocalypse RPG will show entertainment companies and other franchise holders that it doesn't need to be the Hasbro-owned 5e. Of course, plenty of big names already have other systems, even if none of them are 5e-size successes. In particular, Terminator has gone to Nightfall, who are bravely using their barely known S5S system. There's the Doctor Who RPG from Cubicle 7, which uses Vortex. And there's Star Trek, which uses Modifius's 2D20. Now, it just so happens that I also have Star Trek Adventures RPG news. Not only will Modifius publish a player's guide for the RPG, a Games Master's Guide, and a Shackleton Expanse book, they're also doing uh, the original series-themed tricorder edition which fits into a tricorder cosplaying bag weirdly all those are european publishers but there's cortex as another example with the fandom owned system that does masses of the universe and dragon prince and cortex back when it was a margaret waste productions property might also be the cautionary note here there is a trap to avoid around franchise fever Fandom is a very different company from Margaret Weiss Productions. I've had Google Alerts about them reveal data-led digital marketing strategy jobs in the company. And they do work with other companies that have created hype. And Fandom's wiki sites use ads to turn that hype into money. The move into marketplaces is new, with one coming for Cortex and, of course, Fanatical already secured.
What fandom doesn't currently have is a virtual tabletop. It's not as if Roll20's role as a market leader is unchallengeable. Fantasy Grounds has been stalwart. Astral has won bookshelves backing. Demiplane is whatever it is, but most significantly, there is the indie darling in Foundry VTT. Foundry VTT is popular because it takes a step back away from a particular marketplace model and therefore isn't tied to any one of them. Just this week, fans created a Foundry VTT module for Wildjammer, and that's a 5e port of Spelljammer. Meanwhile, FASA benefited from loyalists creating an Earthdawn 4e module for Foundry, and that's now official. And I've talked about the links between virtual tabletops and marketplaces before. A problem for gamers is that the investment required to get going in tabletop RPGs becomes higher and contains more risk. No one is going to take your old AD&D books away from you, even if society changes. But someone could pull the plug on Demiplane, for example, if it came to it. Fandom might lose their D&D Beyond license with Wizards of the Coast. Heck, Wizards of the Coast have already gone through the cycle of creating, releasing and then discontinuing D&D software. The more alternatives to 5e there are, the more expensive it gets. You might need more and different sets of core rules to play whatever your friends are playing. But I like to think it'll be worth it. But franchise fever, if Avatar Legends starts an outbreak, won't help. And we're talking about two things at the same time. I didn't expect them to become so tangled. We're talking about discovery. If there's a lot of content out there, how do you find what's good? Especially if it costs money to find out. We're also talking about ownership, whether it's of your games or of licenses or so forth. And I have three timely examples from this week's RPG news that touch on both. Three Kickstarters. The first is Ex Libris. This is already a Mark Borg site and it has now raised thousands on Kickstarter to pay for its own maintenance and expansion into other RPG lines. You use Ex Libris for discovery. The site helps you find Mark Borg content or, if you have it, to put it under the eyes of people who might be looking for Mark Borg content. Ex Libris links to other sites for these downloads. It's not a hosting platform. The second is Arcane, and you know that's spelled with a KH and two Ns, which talks about being the Netflix of D&D homebrew. As I wrote in my write-up of that Kickstarter, I can't give you legal advice and you will find none here, but commercial platforms have to be careful how they use brands like D&D. However, the pitch is straightforward and it's mainly to content creators. Put your homebrew material here and earn money. You pay a Netflix or Spotify-style subscription fee as a customer and you can try all these new games for free, effectively, for that flat cost, for that subscription fee. So that solves the barrier to discovery problem and Arcane will very much want you to try as many different diverse games as possible because that's their business model. The challenge both sites face here is that they solve problems that people might not know they have and are therefore not looking to solve. You don't know what you're missing. I wonder therefore if the third example might be more powerful, even if it's less direct. 
The platform here is the never-ending dungeon, and it generates never-ending dungeons designed for you, including monsters and encounters, which means it can then become a solo RPG. The Kickstarter includes physical map tiles, which leads me to speculate whether or not they're planning a marketplace for the tile generator. You, know, you could unlock other tile designs or order quality physical copies. And map design is a problem gamers are aware of and are looking to solve, and that will lead them to the never-ending dungeon and its accompanying marketplace. I don't think the success of Avatar Legends will increase the need for more dungeons, although it may increase the number of tabletop gamers. I do think it will boost the demand for discovery solutions and, as a result, the importance of marketplaces. I also think Avatar Legends will increase the connection between creative franchises and tabletop games. This week's news contains examples of this. Three, in fact. Sadly, the second example of things happening in threes is my last one. I couldn't find a third. My first example of comic book tie-ins is Helm Greycastle. This Latinx comic book raised thousands on Kickstarter, and issue one comes with a 5e one-shot set in the same world. Drive-Thru RPG and Sister Sight Drive-Thru Comics are busy promoting it, and it makes sense for them to do so. Do you know you can get those branded stickers for Snapchat and Telegram and other platforms? Drive-Thru Comics should make it easy and desirable for their merchants to provide branded virtual map tokens of their characters for Astral Tabletop. Taking the lo-fi approach so far is Outland Entertainment. They've been carefully increasing their own RPG content, although they usually do books and comics. This week, they've announced that they've bought the licence to Michael Ricard's Gale Fire series. There will be an RPG for it, but it won't be their own Toon Punk system. It will be 5e. The third example, another big one, is from a publisher in the Polarity family. Polarity own Oni Lionforge, the comic book publisher. They also own Magnetic Press. And yes, this is the Carbon Grain news. That mech mini heavy RPG is now live in Kickstarter and it funded within the day. I honestly think these new strands are all connected around the changing tabletop industry. And I believe Avatar Legends is now a lightning rod for that change. It will both light up these changes for more people to see and it will provide more power for more to happen. But let's get on with some other geeky news. The UK Games Expo happened and I appreciate the video coverage of the physical event from the On Tabletop team and I was pleased to see so many masks worn. Unfortunately, the UK Games Expo awards ceremony was unusual in that it was seen by plenty of people, but it didn't quite have such a high mass count. Osprey Games won lots of awards, with Stargrave doing very well. Katara, Evacuation Earth, Escape the Dark Sector and Village Green also did well. In RPGs, the alien RPG Destroyer of Worlds won the best adventure. The Compendium of Equestria, the My Little Pony game from River Horse and Land of the Rising Sun from Britannia Games took prizes from the best role-playing expansion, while Vassan from Free League and the Desanction from All Rolled Up took prizes for best role-playing game. Sadly, 
it's not all good news this week. High Moon Press have announced that they're leaving the business. There's currently an everything must go sale on at Drive Through RPG and at Gumroad. And Daniel has said he will delete those games or give them away at the end of the month. Elsewhere in the industry, during the live part of Funcon, actor Joe Mangioli hinted at a big D&D project. And we know there are two TV series in the works. Modifius announced yet another license, but it's neither a skirmish game nor a role-playing game. Instead, they're getting a 007-themed board game called Spectre. You play as a criminal mastermind working for Spectre. And I look forward to seeing what Mangione might do and to play Spectre. I've already had the chance to check out the first episode of the forthcoming Sakugan. That's a mechs, monsters and miners show. And by miners I mean underground workers who dig out ore. Episode 1 of the anime takes us through all sorts of emotions. And I look forward to episode 2. It's also the start of the month, week 1. So that means Geek Native patrons can vote in the September 2021 RPG Publisher Spotlight. The five candidates are Play by Action Gaming, Sanguine Productions, J Dragon at Possum Creek Games, Jack Harrison at Mousehole Press, and Starshine Scribbles. There are two bundles to call out. Had there been three, I would have found that trilogy of trilogies for you, but alas, only two made the cut. The first is from Cthulhu Stone Games, once known as Redbox Vancouver and partners Lamp Black and Brimstone. They have a host of Dungeon World goodies for you. The second is on Humble, and it contains many hundreds of dollars of Ayaskia manga from Kodanasha. The top tier is barely $20, so that's amazing value. And that leaves news of another Geek Native thank you gift for last. Patrons will get a copy of The Gunblade, or anyone who signs up to be a patron in the next few days. And on that note, let's wrap there. Keep safe, become a legend, and we'll see you next week.